Welcome to the Whole Enchilada, a community of high achievers that fight the status quo, rebel against mediocrity, and make life happen. Let's go. Hey, Enchilada Nation, excited uh, for the conversation we're going to have. It's actually an economic conversation. I invited three of my good friends and some of the smartest people I know that are constantly analyzing the market in their current uh, areas to have the discussion with us in regards to the global economy, the national economy, and how do we drive that into our local economies and operate as entrepreneurs. So this is a three-part episode. I hope you enjoy it. Lean into the conversation. I would love to hear your feedback on what you believe the market's going to do. Okay, Johnny, bring us home to the U.S. Uh, you know, inflation, right? That's always been the story. I think I've learned more about the Fed the last 12 months. I think we've all cared to learn more about the Fed the last 12 months than ever in our lifetime, just because the the whammy or the kick in the pants we've had so quickly in a 12-month period with them raising that Fed funds rate. Uh, but I think, you know, the Fed, the Fed in general, you know, the, the handful of tools they have, uh, I think uh, Dana nailed it. But I remember 25 years ago when I was in driver's ed, uh, hearing about a post-World War II study when they were building all the freeways and highways, the optimal speed limit to drive across the country, uh, they determined to use oil the most efficiently was 55 miles per gallon. So they kind of determined the optimal speed we should be driving at to use resources the most effectively. And the economy is the same way, right? That 2246 she mentioned. And as soon as anything gets out of whack, the Fed has to use one of their levers, the federal uh, government, to start either slowing it down or speeding it up. And interest rates clearly is one of those they've used to like intentionally deliberately slower economy, right? And, and, and normally the Fed will uh, say one thing and uh, a thousand things will hit the news out of that one thing that the Fed said. So there's a lot of speculation that hits Forbes and every other uh, news you know, thing out there. But we went from zero to 5% on that Fed funds uh, rate very quickly, right? Which was whiplash for our industry. Hasn't been as fast or quick for a lot of other industries. But clearly they're trying to raise that up. And we keep talking about the soft landing, which the soft landing is almost a miraculous output of raising the rates, because how do we raise the rates enough that it slows the economy so perfectly that it doesn't create unemployment and doesn't like drop GDP, right, which is a miraculous outcome and hopefully it can still happen. But the likelihood of unemployment going up or GDP going down, which is why they haven't called us an official recession, is because we haven't had GDP and unemployment all kind of uh, decrease at the same time. So if if they're doing a decent job, like they probably are, uh, but the the stubbornness of that core inflation has surprised me personally. You know, like how fast we went up to 5% and core inflation just kind of like trickling down. Uh, the overall uh, inflation uh, with that includes the energy and food that can be manipulated a little bit more. Biden can write a letter and, and deplete some of our oil reserves just to temporarily lower gas prices. Like clearly that's why core inflation is the one I care about, but we still have some room to go. You know, we're trying to get down to that 2%. The other one that we don't talk about a lot is just they're, they're always buying assets. You know, when I loan you $50,000, $50,000 is out of my bank account, right? Which is what happens with banks. Right now, the Fed is in a, in a in getting some of those assets off their balance sheet. You know, they've decreased the assets that the Federal Reserve is holding to the point that what happens is credit tightens up at the same time. So I think we're kind of getting double whammied a little bit in the fact that uh, rates are going up and credit is kind of tightening in uh, availability. So I just personally... I was way more optimistic three, six months ago. 
I, I you know, there's always studies that go out of what rates are going to do. Uh, you know, October, I think we're fine. There could be another 25 basis points coming in November. Uh, you know, the soft landing is still uh, potential, but it, it seems a little less likely the last month or two. I thought we would come around uh, holidays, maybe early spring, and we might see some rate reductions. I think we're going to kind of hover at this, my, my opinion, I think we're going to hover at these uh, these Fed rates deep into 2024, which will probably tell you mortgage rates aren't going to really move that much unless we see a decrease in rates. Uh, and, and I think they're just, they want to see that core inflation come down before they move any levers to actually like spur the economy, right? Do you guys agree with pretty much all that or I totally agree with all of that yes and I I think too it's it's interesting if you if you listen to to some of the research that we were even provided at mega camp and prior to hear Gary's research team excuse me talk about it too two years ago the average American had the most cash in their savings account than they had had in like you know the last decades and year to date this year they have the lowest amount of cash already that quick and they have the highest credit card debt than they've had. And I think the problem is, and we actually talk about this a lot, instead of reducing personal expenses, people have gotten accustomed to a lifestyle. And, a, you know, to, to some point, maybe all of us might be a little guilty to, of that, but we don't, we don't want to change the ways that we have been living or going on. You know, we went from going on one vacation a year to people where then, you know, three, four vacations a year. And so as we try to adjust, I think people have a hard time with that. And I think that that's what's caused us to be where we are today. And then you combine that with student debt and everybody's payments getting ready to start in October. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into play with that. But yeah, I agree. I think rates will likely end close to where they are now. And I think we'll go, when Gary said September, we'll feel like we've fallen off a cliff. I don't necessarily know as much about how your all's local market is, and I'm big on your local market, um, but ours are, I mean, we, we are trending quite down. Yeah, I think I, I actually got a little faster just because we went up, but I, you know, our units drop, you know, that type of stuff, but I think every market's a, a little bit different. What were you going to say, Marcus? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think, I think you're you're nailing the conversation. Obviously, I mean, in simplest forms, the Fed's looking for less cash flow to flow around the same way it has, Right. We all know how hard it is to create a new good habit, and it's equally hard to break a bad habit. We've got, because of people having that extra cash you were talking about in the savings, and some of it was even weird because the government was putting Giving money it. in people's yeah. account like, oh, whoa, I am saving money. Look how good I am. And they've increased these habits of spending, and they don't want to, they don't want to change that habit of spending. And so they ate up all that saving. To your point, consumer debt is the highest it's ever been. This to me is what could potentially topple the market is what happens next. Because if savings is gone, consumer debt is high. At some point, the credit cards companies are going to be like, okay, you're, we're tapping you out. Um, where do they go next for cash? Equity, which right now over 60% of homes across the country are equity rich. This is the most equity rich homes yeah. have ever been in the United States. The good news is, and it's, it's I say it good news hesitantly because the good news is because people are so equity rich, it could take them a while because that's a lot of Starbucks lattes to eat up a couple hundred thousand dollars of, of um, equity, but it, it will add up very quickly. If the economy doesn't turn and get better before people eat up that equity, that's when we could start seeing foreclosure notices increase. And that could topple the market when people talk about a big shift or a, or a, or a bubble that could happen in that event. It, it just really depends how long are people going to ride that out with eating up equity. Any thoughts on that, guys? 
I agree with you because again, like uh, expenses move way slower than income. So if income drops, it takes a lot longer for us to behaviorally change to decrease expenses. And part of that is, you know, that's why, you know, the, the personal savings is very low. I, I can kind of understand that because incomes haven't really gone up. Your dollar goes a little less far. So like your disposable income percent that's going to savings, like it, it probably is at record lows a little naturally. And consumer debt is highest just because our lifestyles haven't changed. Incomes aren't doing what they used to. So naturally, we're just going to put that on debt with credit, you know, running out. Do people change because they want to or because they're compelled to mostly? Most of the people just get to worst case scenario, they're compelled to change. And as soon as credit starts running out for these people, they're either going to drastically change behavior or they're going to tap into assets. Uh, and I think that's it. But I think hopefully we can recover fast enough that we don't see that tapping into assets as extreme as we have in other shifts, which is a little bit more of that soft landing, right? Hey, Marcus, do you guys feel like in your market, because I'm in four different states in four totally different markets, so I kind of have a different view and perspective of all all different, all of the four different ones. Do you guys feel like, though, in your market, buyers have finally said, I'm not going to pay that for that house? Whereas like two years ago, it was kind of like, you know, whatever, I, if I want it, I'm going to pay for it. I f and now I feel like they're kind of that, like, that's too much. The threshold has been met and I'm not going to pay that for that house. Oh yeah, totally. Right. And, and just because rates went, mortgage rates went up so much that it just doubled yeah. their payments so quickly that I just, I think most of them couldn't even like buy or pay for that, you know, and it, it really has hurt the, the whole K economy. If you owned a bunch of stuff before all this happened, like, you know, like at least you have some options, people that have been chasing the market. It's so hard, which is the difference from this versus the great recession that most of us were probably in is just values have stayed the same. Even those units are down. We're dealing with some of the challenging things in the economy, but the, the fact that we're underbuilt in this country versus overbuilt has kept things from depreciating, uh, you know, overall or even at a significant level, which has just crushed that affordability, you know. And so even like one of the questions you said, you know, buyer desire remains high, but something's got to give. Either we're eventually going to have to see some of those rates come down, prices come down or incomes go up. You know, what's the most likely, you know, hopefully if the economy can recover, we can lower rates, the second option would be prices will have to come down, you know. Johnny, you just said a term that I've been using uh, around that I think is really critical right now is, is and, and that this is the good news that, that could turn our market the other way, right, which is buyer desire. Like we, we, we historically just talk about buyer demand, but buyer demand equals buyer desire plus buyer ability. And so the good news is, is mo in most markets, buyer desire is high. Most markets, most markets, not all markets, most markets are still behind on inventory needed. So there is buyer desire. But to your point, Dana, some people are saying like, I want to do something. It just doesn't make sense or I don't have the ability to do it to some extent. I, it, I don't make enough money. Um, interest rates are too high, whatever it is. So like it's we used to just talk about buyer demand as this bigger thing, but we need to say like, okay, good news, buyer demand remains high, buyer desire, how do we fix that problem? How do we how do we close that gap? Because then it will trigger more buys if we can get sellers to put their properties on the on the market. Um, one 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 question I have for you guys is I saw a report from um, a credit card company, I think it was American Express, and they and they kind of allocated where are people spending the majority of their money? Any any guesses from you guys? And what was the number one thing people were using their credit card to spend money on over the last several years? Food. Food? Yeah, I was going to say food too. Food and trip, food and or trips. I'll say healthcare. 
travel and travel. food, travel and food, which it's interesting from a de decision-making standpoint, like their ability to pull back on those things. It's not taking away necessities, right? Like uh, healthcare, like you were talking about, Joe, but it's this idea of how could, if, if people could just make the decision to slow down their spending on travel and food, it would significantly decrease the flow of money in the market, which may be enough to change how the Fed is showing up. Um, but the the interesting thing is on the other side of that is I just saw a report from um, Airbnb that the revenue in Airbnb across the country is down more than 50% across the country. So maybe the finally the consumer saying, okay, let's do less. Unless they're going to the Four Seasons now instead of the, the Airbnb. Hard hard to do the groceries too when an, one organic red pepper is $3.99 at Whole Foods now. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So that, that's the question. Will consumers stop going to the Whole Foods and start going to the Smiths? Or will the consumer stop traveling four times a year and maybe one, tri uh, one trip a year that they're driving to the destination? Like, you'll be interested to see if, if people start shifting a little bit of how they're how, still maintaining a lifestyle, but shifting how they're changing. Well, that's what Gary said once is just we keep talking about these fictitious people out there. And until you personally are like not going on the trips, not trading in your car, not door dashing versus cooking your own grilled cheese or whatever, like until you personally are making those decisions, you're not going to naturally just see everybody else do it as well. You know? Love it. Uh, Joe, did you want me to pull up those images on the email? I mean, I think there's, they're interesting to look at, but I, I would follow into the consumer purchasing. I, I forget which chart I was looking at, but since the pandemic happened with the in, injection of capital from the government uh right from what i understood from this article was that we had savings of about 190 billion in the u.s economy and we were burning through about 110 billion a month of that savings so you're looking somewhere in october november that any of those savings that happened at the beginning of the pandemic is pretty much gone um so i think you're absolutely right that they're gonna you know we're gonna get to a place probably in november where people make those hard changes of where they purchase and travel and things like that. Um, that slide that you've got up, Marcus, I think is also very important for everybody on this call is that if you look at how wealth is divided in the U S uh, for the top 1% and the top 20% taking out the top 1%, you can see the first dark blue is actually real estate investments. Hmm. So if you look at where the primary driver of like wealth creation, the top one and top 20%, you see a good section of it being in real estate. Yeah. Awesome. Love that one. And then you, uh, did you give me another one? Do you want me to pull I don't up? know if it's going to, oh yeah, there was another one. I don't know if it's going to open up or not, but um, the other slide that was sending over that I believe is the best indicator for our current economics is uh, interest rates typically trend uh, in parallel unison with unemployment rates. And if you look at our interest rates that Johnny brought up, you know, from January to now has gone up 500 basis points, which is the fastest ever gone in the period of time. Our unemployment rates have not trended with that, which is why we haven't seen like a full on recession. So my thing that I'm watching personally is interest rates go up. Unemployment hasn't. When you start to see unemployment go up, that's when you're going to have an indicator of a recession, because right now the unemployment rates being low means people can pay and consume in the U.S. economy. The moment they can't, they stop consuming, we're going to have that recession come up. So that's what I've been watching personally 
to see when there's going to be a shift in our markets. All right, everybody. Thank you for le uh, leaning into the conversation. Uh, I am so grateful for uh, my dear friends leaning in and giving me their insight on what's going on in the economy. I hope that you learned something from the conversation and took away a couple nuggets. Now the idea is how do you utilize that information to go improve your current situation and have a conversation with the people in your world. And as always, don't forget, go live life on your terms.